Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. So you got these 10 bronze carts. They were portable work tables that the priests used to prepare sacrifice animals. And so each cart had these angelic cherubim that were designed into the cart. Now, why would you have that? Probably for the same reason why Solomon had cherubim designed into the interior of the temple, to keep the priests reminded of why they were there, what your work is all about, what you're doing here. The cherubim always represented the glory, majesty, and presence of God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he blocked the way to the garden. He cast them out and blocked the way with a sword that swung back and forth. And there were also cherubim there. They were visibly seen by man to remind Adam and Eve of God's power and his glory and to have reverence for God. And so these cherubim were worked into the cart so that every priest would see it and they would have reverence and remember their respect of of God. This is what I'm here for, to be reminded of what they're there, what their work was all about. So here are these 10 work tables that could be wheeled around anywhere they needed them to go. Five carts stationed on the south side of the temple, five stationed on the north. Looks to me like they're about to get pretty busy and they're about to in the next chapter. In chapter 8, when the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the temple, they're going to do a lot of sacrifice work. 1 Kings 7 and 40, the furnishings of the temple. Hiram made the lavers and the shovels and the bowls. So Hiram finished doing all the work that he was to do for King Solomon for the house of the Lord. The two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the two pillars, the two networks covering the two bowl-shaped capitals, which were on top of the pillars, 400 pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the pillars, the ten carts and the ten lavers on the carts, one sea and twelve oxen under the sea, the pots, the shovels, and the bowls. All these articles which Hiram made for King Solomon for the house of the Lord were of burnished bronze. In the plain of Jordan, the king had them cast in clay molds between Succoth and Zaratan. And Solomon did not weigh all the articles because there were so many. The weight of the bronze was not determined. So we just got a summary of all the work that was done, and it said there was lots of bronze. That's why I'm calling it First Kings 7, Part 2. Lots of bronze. There was so much bronze, they couldn't measure it. They couldn't weigh it. There's too much of it. They didn't even bother to. And for some reason... First Kings doesn't lift even more doesn't list even more bronze work that Hiram did in Second Chronicles four and one. It says, moreover, he made a bronze altar. Twenty cubits was its length, twenty cubits its width, and ten cubits its height. Now we've been given a lot of detail on all these temple furnishings inside. Plus, you remember the gold that was also inside the temple. Everything was overlaid with gold, the cedar planks, the walls, everything was covered in gold right inside the temple's interior. 
Now, the Bible is trying to emphasize to us how beautiful and how valuable the bronze was and the, and the gold and silver and everything in this temple. The temple was immaculate. It was just beautiful and very valuable. And it was plentiful. Now, we saw that with the bronze. It was very plentiful, so much they couldn't even weigh it. And when I think about the abundance of the the bronze, there's so much of it that they didn't even bother to weigh it. There's too much of it. It makes me realize, look how far the Israelites had come from way back when the women gave up just their mirrors. They gave up their mirrors and they made whatever they could. They made a laver. But look how much more bronze they have. Look at the abundance that God had provided them. There's a gospel picture in this. God took them out of Egypt, of their bondage, and he said, I'm going to bring you to a land that I promised that we're going to get you to, the land I have for you. And now he's blessing them abundantly. Christian, friend, realize that when you gave your life to Jesus, he delivered you from your bondage of sin, and he took you to a promised place of covenant where he can now bless you much more abundantly. That is a picture we get here, right? Isn't that good? Good stuff. Hang with me. I'm telling you, I'm unfolding it. Let's keep going. 1 Kings 7, 48. Thus Solomon had all the furnishings made for the house of the Lord, the altar of gold, the table of gold on which was the showbread, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the right side and five on the left in the front of the inner sanctuary, with the flowers and the lamps and the wick trimmers of gold, the basins, the trimmers, the bowls, the ladles, and the censers of pure gold, and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner room, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and the furnishings. He put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. So I want us to think about this temple layout here for a minute. Let's get a full view of what's going on here. We know we had two bronze pillars, the bronze carts, the bronze sea, the bronze altar. All of them were bronze. But after reading 1 Kings 7, I felt like I got totally slammed in the face with all the bronze that was used outside the temple. The bronze was outside the temple, but then all of a sudden, 48, verse 48 through 51 takes us back inside the temple to tell us about all the pure gold and the silver that was inside the temple. It's like bronze, 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 gold. You know, I mean, you just, what, what? <laughs> This is where I finally caught the big picture. What we got to realize first is that gold is worth far more than bronze is because it's a much more precious metal than bronze is. At the time of this recording, I believe bronze was about $2 a pound. Gold is worth $1,800 per ounce. That's how much more worth gold, more precious and more valuable gold is. So basically what you see is that the outside of the temple had worth and it was functional and it had things that you could do. But the more you got inside the temple, the closer to the center, the more inward you go, the more precious it gets. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we believers are the temple of God. And there's a lot of blessing that the Lord gives us, things that are all external to us, things that are outside. 
we are given good lives. We're you're get maybe you have a car that you can drive and maybe you live in a pretty good house. He gives you food. Those are all external things. But don't allow the external things to cause you to forget about the inward relationship that you have in your inner man, in your holy of holies of this temple that you are. Don't let the external things cause you to forget about your inward relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit of God, because our indwelling with God is the most valuable thing you will ever have, more than all the gold in the world, more than all the mansions and all the cars and and Learjets and whatever people are trying to tell you you should have. Your relationship with God is inside is in the center of the temple. It is far worth more than everything outside. The more you get into the center of this temple, the more valuable and the more precious it gets. And so it reminds me again of that church that I spoke at that one time. The music and the worship was beautiful. I mean, the the setup of it was great. The, The instruments sounded good. They had great voices, the lighting, the chairs, and everything was all in order and looked really wonderful. But somehow that particular leadership there, they had somehow forgotten about the more valuable, the more precious inward things about people giving their lives to Jesus and wanting to be saved and integrating into the body of Christ. They just didn't. They came to me, oh, Ray, we weren't expecting that. It's like they were mad at me for it. They forgot. Now you know why cherubim were put on the carts, so the priests wouldn't forget what they were there to do. 1 Peter 1.7 says, The genuineness of your faith is much more precious than gold. (laughs) Friends, I know you got the world pushing you to get money, 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 money. Don't fall for that. You concentrate on your faith. Seek first the things of the kingdom, then God will give you all these other things. Your faith is more important. It's more precious. Friends, if you forget the inward relationship you have with Jesus, then you can't even do the outer kingdom service work at all. You're not doing any kingdom service work, even if you're paid staff at a church. If you forget about your relationship, your intimate indwelling relationship at your center, inner man, core being, your holy of holies of this temple, you forget about that and you don't prioritize that and you don't run by faith and you don't run by love, you don't run by the inner things, You can't even do the outer things. Now you're not working with purity. And again, I want you to, I want to be reminded of why cherubim were built into the decoration of the carts to keep the priest reminded so they wouldn't forget to be reminded of the glory and majesty of God. Otherwise, if they forgot, all they were there to do was to cut up an animal and throw it on a fire. That's all they were doing. It didn't have any meaning to it whatsoever. If a church shows up to just play music, and talk for a little bit, and forgets about the faith, forgets about the love, and forgets about the relations they have with God, then they're not doing anything at all. And that is a dead church. And friends, there's a bunch of them. Remember the innermost part. It's so much more valuable. It's so much more precious. And another point I want to make is that not only are we collectively together, the temple, but according to Revelation 5 and 10, We have individually been made priests by Jesus Christ. And so what was the service work that a priest did? They did sacrifice work. And so if we're priests, then what do you think our work is? What do you think the work is that we're supposed to do? Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable 
service. Friends, sacrifice is still the service work of a priest, and that's our job. Even today, not much has changed from then till now. It's the same thing. But as we read today, we understand that sacrifice work got dirty, doesn't it? It gets dirty. It gets messy. It was messy work. And it's the same for us when we work as living sacrifices for the Lord. It's messy work. It gets dirty. When you go out into the world and you share the gospel message with unbelievers, they're going to ridicule you. They will cut into you. Remember I said about the sacrifice, the cutting and all that that has that goes on. They'll do all that. They'll cut into you. They'll insult you. They will insult you and ridicule anything they can come up with, mockery and you're a hypocrite and all these things. But friends, that's part of your job as a priest is to be a sacrifice. That's part of your job. And yes, it gets messy. It does. Sacrifice work is still dirty work, but it says it is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable service for us to have to go through that. Romans said it's your reasonable service to the Lord. When people cut into you for your faith, don't say, oh, the God, that's not fair. It's reasonable work. Because I guarantee you, you cut into somebody once yourself before you became saved, and their sacrifice, from Jesus' sacrifice, their sacrifice helped you to see the gospel. See how it works? So as modern-day priests, I want us all to be reminded of what we're here for, reminded of what we're here to do. I want to show you two verses that we've already read today that what God commanded the priest to do, because we're commanded to do these same things. Exodus 30 and 20, remember we read this. It says, when they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water, lest they die. And Second Chronicles 4, 6 says that's what that sea was for, for the priest to wash in. So you've got to wash with water. Now, we're here as priests to be a living sacrifice to the world externally, because that's how they're going to see us. When they see us, they look at external things. When you're standing in the grocery store line and every line is moving but yours, I find myself in that often. Your tendency is to want to jump in the faster line because now you're getting mad. Oh, this this checker's too slow. Wait a minute. That's opportunity. Stay in the slow line, man. Stay in the slow line. And people may look at you and wonder, why are you not getting upset? Because I'm upset. How come you're not upset? Maybe that'll lead to them getting curious. You know, how come this doesn't bother you? Or one time at work, I remember the whole company got a raise. Except me. (laughs) The Lord was really putting me on display because everybody knew I'm the only one that didn't get a raise. How you conduct yourself will really make people curious, and they'll start asking. And then you get to tell them, what's because of Jesus, man? i got precious things going on. (laughs) I don't need a fast line. I'll be okay. You know, I don't need that raise exactly if I've got my bills covered because I've got the Lord. And you show them what the priority is. It's an opportunity. But friends, that's when it comes time to minister to people. They looked at you, your external stuff that has worth to it and has functionality to it, but it caused them to want to know what's inside. But when it comes time to minister to them, that's when you go inward. That's when you go to the more inward, more precious things. You minister from love you minister with faith and from your relationship with God. You minister from that. You can't minister to someone without those things. Paul even said that if I do all this stuff and I don't have love, I blew it. I don't have anything going on. Now, these people will be looking at your external. They might be looking at how you measure up to a slow moving line or 
you know, the politics going on that's making everybody upset but you. And they're going to wonder, how come you're not all mad about this? Well, you know, you're prioritizing the Lord. They may look at all these external things. What kind of car you drive? What kind of house you live in? And they're going to make conclusions on you one way or the other based on external things. But when you go inwardly and you love people, man, you get to those more precious things. They are going to want that. I don't care what house they, they may live in a house worth 10 times what yours is. If they're not getting love from anybody and you show them love, they're going to want it because it's worth more than what they have. It's worth more than all the external things. But friend, understand that if you find an opportunity to minister before you minister to people, you have to be washed with water first. Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Washing of water by the word. Friends, we have a great big sea that we can get under, open up a big valve, and let it dump and just cover us up with the water of the word, the word of God. It's a huge sea. It's a giant tank (laughs) full of water of the word. This means that before you go out and try to minister to people, you got to be saved, obviously, but you better know that word of God. Don't try to invent who you think God is. You need to be cleaned up by the washing of the water of the word. It should affect your life. That means you can't be the same person you've always been before Jesus and then go try to minister to people because they're just not going to buy it. There's a lot of Christians I see out there complaining and stirring up trouble and being mad about everything. Please stop telling people that you're a Christian. Please, you're making my job harder. But if you're going to change and be washed by the water of the word and let it change your life and you'll start obeying the Lord God and doing what it says, then people are going to see that and they're going to want it. Who's this Jesus? I want him. But if you look like the world, they don't want Jesus. You look as filthy, if not worse than everybody else. They don't want filthy. They want clean. They don't want dirty. They want pure. They don't want trouble. They want answers. You got to be washed by the water of the word. And scripture says, not just hear the word, but do what it says. Are you not hearing the word of God? Do you never listen to the word of God? Do you never read? You're in trouble. Oh, I minister all the time, though, because I'm a Jesus guy, but you're not being washed by the water of the word. God says you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. You're going to cause more trouble. And that's why the Lord said, hey, priest, clean up or you're going to die. He would rather take them out than cause them to stir up more controversy and miss and misrepresent what God is trying to cause his people to understand that he looks like. God wants his people to see that he's a clean, pure God. Don't mar that image. God commands his priest that ministering shall be done clean, clean. When you do your service work to the Lord God, always be reminded when you do it of the majesty and the glory of God's presence. Have reverence for that and wash up. When you serve, wash up. Know the word of God. Friend, if you do not know the word of God, I strongly urge you to pick up your Bible and start reading right away. Don't be intimidated by not understanding everything. You won't. But at least start absorbing the Word of God and getting what you can understand. you got to start. You need to wash up so that you can serve with purity. And to stress why this is so important here, 
I want to show you what happened to Israel later in their history when Israel sinned against the Lord. 2 Kings 25.13 The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord and the carts and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord. The Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried their bronze to Babylon. Friends, they got crossways with the Lord and they provoked his wrath. And the Chaldeans came and busted all that stuff up that we just read and took it away and took the Israelites in captivity with them. Now, remember, one pillar was called Jachin, which means Yahweh establishes, right? And the other pillar was called Boaz, meaning Yahweh in Yahweh is strength. So how were the Chaldeans able to carry these pillars away and all this bronze when Yahweh establishes in Yahweh is strength? How were they able to do this if God had all the establishment and strength? I want you to remember God's conditional promise that he would be there for Israel if they obeyed him. But the problem is Israel fell into sin, and sin provokes God's wrath, and they would not repent, they would not turn. And so all that bronze, that bronze work that we read about, all that stuff that was put up for God's glory, it was all taken away. It was all taken away because they sinned. However, I want to flip the coin over and show you something good. Revelation 3.12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. (laughs) Friends, this pillar here, it symbolizes the permanent place in heaven that God offers believers. It's You become part of the structure. You, you become part of the, the house there. And our place in heaven is established, Jacob, by Yahweh, and it is held by his strength, Jacob and Boaz, okay? This is quite a contrast to the pillars that the Chaldeans broke down and carried away. But no one can take your salvation away from you, because that's bound by covenant. Now, I want you to remember how the priests were provided with an abundance, more than could be counted, an abundance of precious metals. They had bronze, gold, and silver to make the tools to do all the work they needed to do. It was given to them, abundance. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have what? An abundance. An abundance. For every good work. Friend, God does not call you to places that he won't also equip you. You feel like God's calling you into something and you go, I can't do that. I don't have what I need to do that. I'm not good at that. If God's calling you to it, he'll equip you to it as well. Where it's God's will, it's God's bill. He'll pay for it. He'll provide. All the bronze, all the gold and the silver that adorned the temple, you see that, was so abundant. Now, with us being the temple, the Lord wants to adorn his temple, and he wants to adorn his temple, you and me, with an abundance of his righteousness. It's more precious than gold. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Friend, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ and you don't know how, just follow me in prayer. It's really simple. You can do it right where you're at sitting right there. Say this. Follow with me in your heart, okay? Father God, I have sinned. I totally messed up, and I'm sorry. I understand, Jesus, that you died on the cross to pay the penalty that I can't afford, and that you offered to give me a free gift of salvation. If I will repent and believe in the gospel that God raised you from the dead, thank you for paying my way. I receive it. Amen. If you just gave your life to Jesus, go to setforliferadio.com and drop me a line. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for your time. Be blessed.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.